dust off that green poncho, go to a busy sports stadium or train station, and touch someone. This is Quality Check, and this is our glass cast. We're talking M. Night Shyamalan's East Rail 177 Trilogy, Unbreakable, Split, and Glass. I know what's going through your mind right now. You're searching for meaning in all of this. No one thing. 131 people died so you could finally understand the destiny for which you were born. Are you ready for the truth? Hello, film fans. Thank you for joining us for Quality Check Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Daniel Posey, and joining me as always, Drew Douglas. Hi, Daniel. Hey, Drew. So there's something that's happening for this episode, the full first full episode on Studio DNA Network, and I'm excited. This is new for us, new for listeners. It's new, and you usually start off every podcast with a very hearty, well, Welcome back, film fans. Where was that? I'm saving that for you. But I, since this is our first full episode, I did hello. And that way it is the introduction to that. And then I'll do welcome back. So expect welcome back after this episode. You, what happened last time is you gradually built towards the welcome back. So it much, got louder and longer with every episode. So much so that each episode toward the end was just the intro and that's all we had time for and it was just me yelling into the microphone welcome back film fans what's unbelievable is those are our biggest downloaded episodes fans thank you for joining us if this is your first time or if you're a returning listener we just wanted to thank you from the very top and also set the stage for what you can expect each week we'll we will cover a new movie and we'll return to something we've seen before to see if it holds up or gets better and that's Quality Check Podcast in a nutshell for you. So this episode, we are going to be covering Glass, Unbreakable, and Split. Let's start off with Glass. My name is Dr. Ellie Staple, and I'm a psychiatrist. My work concerns a particular type of delusion of grandeur. It's a growing field. I specialize in those individuals who believe they are superheroes. <laughs> Good for you. Glass tells the story of security guard David Dunn using his supernatural abilities to track Kevin Wendell Crumb, a disturbed man responsible for a string of kidnappings. So, Drew, tell us a little bit about Glass. Glass is the third and final movie, as we said, in the East Rail 177 trilogy by M. Night Shyamalan. He wrote and directed it. Budget, $20 million. Uh, box office just came out on Friday. Do you know how much it made in its opening weekend? Was it projected at $50 million? Originally, it was tracking 50 to 70 for the extended holiday weekend because Monday is Martin Luther Martin King. Martin Luther, yeah. Um... This weekend, three days, $40 million. So it's lower, much lower. Is Which that is, a bad sign, though? It's okay. But well, it's still better than Split, though, right? No. Nah. Because I want to say, at, the, at that time, I know Split went on to become a huge box office success for Shyamalan. And this right now is 
kind of right in that range. It'll do okay. I mean, along with the 40 mil here, 49 million overseas, 89 million altogether at the moment. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes score critics not happy with this one. I don't get it. It's been slammed with a 36% rating, and that segues perfectly into the Rotten Tomatoes game. If you're listening for the first time, the game is very simple. Daniel and I guess the Rotten Tomatoes score for a new movie. Um, whoever guesses closest, doesn't matter if it's over or under, wins. Daniel. I blew it on this. A couple weeks ago, you guessed 72%. I said 63%. We both really biffed it, but that's okay. Hit over the fences. Because I'm still closer. I win this week. I win oh. week one. We're both over about 30%, but I, I was able to to pull out the victory. You're causing me to almost turn into the beast. 72% is what you said. Goodness. I thought for sure that it would get into the 70s. You think the, again, this is just a consensus. It really doesn't matter. Um, are critics onto something with the 36%? No. Or are they being a little too harsh? They're being, they're... They're being way too harsh, way too critical, way too absurd about that. I don't. I I think that they're off. Let's talk about what you're going to give this movie grade wise. My grade keeps fluctuating. What do you think? My I'm going with a flat beam. Wow. Okay. I and I I've been trying to scale that back a little bit because I want to give it a higher grade. I do. I. What's your grade? I keep going back and forth, and I'm going to I'm going to settle on a C plus. Okay. Um, I mean, to echo some other people that I, you know, I saw the movie and then kind of read what you know other people have said. I think it's a decent follow up to Split. It's a bad sequel to Unbreakable. Is my big takeaway, and, and I'm giving it. I would give it a C plus, B minus range, and that's not great. But um, I actually really admire this movie and Shyamalan, how he was able to kind of pull the rug out from under us at the end of Split and the fact that this this trilogy even happened. It's huge props to Shyamalan, even though I don't think he sticks to the landing. True. So it comes off a little bit like a Stephen King story, a lot like that, where you have this really great buildup, basically two-thirds of a buildup, and then the last third. And that's including like the other three movies and or two two movies prior to this and then like the first bit of this i get the sense that you really liked the first probably two-thirds of glass and then there's kind of a drop off of that so that's that's my prediction on it and overall though i have to say that i was in this movie like in it more than the other two films when i first saw it like this first viewing for me was very different than my first viewing of split and first viewing of unbreakable and we'll get into that later. But let's now talk about what works for this film. What do you think are some of the big takeaways for what it does well? Kind of going back to what I say with the grade, um, I really love that Shyamalan pieces together. I think that's probably the, the as much as I was kind of um, thought this was just average, I really, just the fact that he got this made, it's so admirable. And maybe the greatest twist a filmmaker has ever pulled off the ending to split. And the um, fact that, that he was able to just sneak it in. It's a sneak attack. It's a sneak attack. And I, and we saw this Thursday night. It is now Sunday. And I've been thinking about this movie a lot over the past couple of days. And that's maybe the best thing I can say about it is it doesn't stick the landing. I don't think it's great. But I keep going back to it. I keep thinking about these characters 
and the universe as a whole. I think that's probably what works best for me. I have been the same way about thinking about it so much that two, so we saw this on opening night, Friday, I told you I'm going to rewatch it. Actually, when we got out of the theater, I said I was going back in to rewatch the movie. But I seriously felt that. And then even now, still, I was tempted while rewatching Unbreakable and Split to watch Glass for a second time already. And this is only a few days after seeing it. And there's something about the movie that it just really stuck with me. And there's something I think Shyamalan's on. I know in terms of especially with Unbreakable, people said not just critics, but moviegoers, he's he's onto something with this whole superhero theme, this superhero story, this grounded superhero comic story. And I think that there's something that he follows through with on this. And the other thing that works really well, the camera work is just phenomenal. I think that he just really hones in on that more so. And I, I would go to say that the camera work in Glass is probably the best of the three. Ooh, I was just better... I was going to ask you what you thought about that. There are certain shots. I'm going to say Glass is my least favorite. Of all three? of In terms of cinematography, yeah. I will bring that up later, but not now, what my least favorite is. But I think all three are shot, and, and the execution for that is good. There are a few things that kind of are a little lower on the scale, but I think with the actors who I think suffered before that they weren't as good in the other movies... He brings out the best of them in this. Maybe because they're he's drawing them into what this story is trying to tell. And he's just on in terms of directing those characters. Maybe it's he's that with this being the second turn time with the other characters, he's able to do that. Uh, but some of the new characters as well, like Sarah Paulson, she does a great job in this. And I think the other thing, speaking of what works, the acting. When the acting is on point. It does really well. Bruce Willis. I want to ask you about this. What are your thoughts on Bruce Willis overall as David Dunn? In Glass? Yeah. Specifically? Because we only saw him for a few seconds in Split. And then Unbreakable, of course, he has this, this interesting demeanor because I ended up watching, rewatching Unbreakable and Split uh, with someone who I'm dating now. And oh, humble brag. She, she had, well, I'm, I'm just saying, but uh, she had never seen Unbreakable. And I said, it's interesting because when Unbreakable came out, Bruce Willis, that was like his turn. It was just like a, a very different role for him. And he carries that through with Glass. But what do you think about him just in Glass? I was going to talk about this with uh, what doesn't work. And my question that I was posing is, does, does Bruce even want to act anymore? I don't... He barely registers for me in this movie. And that's what he, I was thinking as well. And I, part of that is like, David isn't doesn't feel like a huge piece to this movie somehow. This is, this is why I go back to saying this is not a good Unbreakable sequel because it's the James McAvoy show. Yeah. And eventually Sam Jackson gets a lot to do in this. But even that's a little Bruce, watered down. Bruce is maybe... He's the focus of maybe the first 15 minutes and then we get to the psych ward... Whatever yeah. it is, the hospital, the, yeah, and institution. Bruce, he he he's just non-existent. He like checks out. I I was completely underwhelmed by Bruce in this, and it made me wonder: Did he even want to do this? Because this honestly could have been the movie since what Looper that he could have really shown off some really 
interesting acting skills, and he's capable of it. We've seen it. But I felt the same way. I just did not understand if that was him or Shyamalan was directing him to do that. But I really believe that maybe it's just Bruce and he's saying, I'm kind of done. I'm just entering I, into retirement mode. I that's, that's one thing. I'm looking forward to re-watching this because I want to watch it and look for Bruce and to see if maybe he does more than I think. And, and David Dunn, his character is already kind of a somber character, very yeah. quiet. And I guess that carries into it. Like, we, his son from the first movie is in this one. They are working together to basically solve crimes. And I think his son outshines him in this too. I was actually oh, yeah. pleasantly surprised by Spencer Treat Clark, who rep- reprises his role in this movie. He's actually, I hadn't seen him any, in anything other than Unbreakable. And I don't I assume he probably grew up and went to school and all that. Um, I didn't. I was worried that he wouldn't be able to act, and I think he's fine. I thought he did a great job. That held up in terms of watching it just for the first time. But Bruce, though, he was catatonic, and I had to. I seriously feel like most of the characters in this did a great job. And there's something about Shyamalan he has for especially younger actors, and it's their expression and their eyes. The young girl Kate, who plays Casey. And then David Dunn's son, both of them, just their expressions were great. But everyone everyone did a great job. Uh, Bruce, though, yeah, just kind of shuffling through it, I felt. There were moments, just moments, glimmers, but nothing stood out. I also have to say that one thing I didn't think really worked, by the movie, the title of it, and being a focus on glass, it didn't seem to focus on glass that much until, like, a third through it. And then it starts to touch on his big plan and what he's doing. And then it's a slow build to glass. But yeah. I felt like it could have been a little bit more, more of a focus on Glass him. is Sam Jackson. We don't meet him probably for 25 minutes. Yeah. And even then we meet him and he's playing, uh, again, like zombie. Bruce. He, he's like zombie Elijah where he's acting as if he's drugged up. And I, I just felt Elijah – as a character in Glass compared to Unbreakable, they're two different people. Yeah. And that, did that bother you? Yeah, I mean, you're right. Two-thirds of this movie are really good for me. I was really into it. And then... Um, up to the last third. The two villains team up, which is in the previews, not too spoilery. And I'm not going to get into spoilers now, but I think from that point on, it really kind of derails for me. The last... I see what you did. 20 Derail. minutes, yes. It's all about trains. <laughs> um Let me ask you this because this question has been on my mind since seeing the movie. Do you think if M. Night waited, not 15 more years, but if he just waited a little while longer to maybe get in another movie or two movies between Split and Glass, do you think that would have allowed him to develop the story a little bit more and it would have been better? I think so. I think a lot of this feels, I think especially the third act feels half-baked. It feels a little rough. Or restrained or as if they maybe he had grander ideas and they weren't able to pull it off for scheduling reasons, monetary reasons. Something like that feels like it's holding this movie back because this movie is essentially in a lot of ways a bottle episode. We don't yeah. we don't leave that hospital. And, and that actually the villain's really plot extends beyond the hospital and sure. it never gets to that point. And I, it, it feels as if something is holding Shyamalan back. Uh Split came out in January 2017. I thought it was last January. So 
the time between these two movies is bigger than, or, you know, longer than I remember. But it doesn't seem that long. It does not seem that long. And I, I, so I don't know. I, it just feels a little half-baked to me. The overall thing for Glass, I just feel the the number one thing I can say about for the ending and what you're saying it feels half-baked in that, in that terms is that one word, rushed. Basically what I could sum it up. That's just how it felt to me at the end of this. The first... I'd say two thirds didn't really feel that way. The no, first, the it, last third, did. it works. Um, there is a finality to Glass. Do you like that? Because these yes. movies, all these movies at this point today, yes, are teasing the future. This one does not. This is ba- this is your conclusion. Yeah, I did, but it comes with a big but and a long but. But there, and we that's when we get into spoilers, and I think that's a good place to end up segueing into the twists and the three big twists that we end up getting so heads up if you have not seen glass this is where we will dive into major spoiler territory drew hit us with those three spoilers three twists number one uh we find out that in unbreakable if you haven't seen unbreakable again spoilers uh we find out that elijah aka mr glass is responsible for a train accident that kills hundreds, thousands of people, and Bruce Willis is the sole survivor. We find out that in... Unscathed. Um, he's unscathed. Uh, in that train accident, the villain of Split and this movie, Kevin Wendell Crumb, Kevin a.k.a. Wendell James Crumb. McAvoy, K-W-C. his father was on that train and was killed. So Elijah essentially only... He creates the hero and the villain in one swoop. So that's twist number one. Uh, twist number two, we find out that... Sarah Paulson, Ellie, she's Dr. Ellie Staple, the psychologist who brings these three characters together. She actually works for a secret organization that hunts and kills heroes and villains to keep the world in balance. And then the third twist is um, Elijah knew the plan all along, her plan, and he knew essentially he was involved in a suicide mission by the end of this movie. And he releases video of David and Kevin to the world to show that heroes and villains do exist. None of these twists, I don't think, personally, are very good. Are twists. Are that twisty. Because the first twist about Elijah creating Kevin's Kevin, essentially, in Split, we see Kevin putting flowers down at the uh, at a train. So it's assumed that something, there's some connect. What you Once you realize this is in the Unbreakable universe, you piece together someone that Kevin loved was killed in that crash. So speaking of that and the flowers, there's... One of our listeners and good friends, actually, who we watched Glass with, she brought this up on Friday whenever I was talking to her. And I said the flowers scene in Split that you just talked about, she felt like it was not him honoring somebody he lost, but rather welcoming the beast because that's where the beast is more or less brought to life. And he whenever he goes and puts flowers down on the tracks, that's just a welcoming gift. But I'm I'm on the same page as you. I always thought, thought that it was an honor of that it is the death of somebody and he's just remembering them, but maybe it's both. What if it's the death of somebody but the birth of another creature? And in a sense, Glass is trying to say that, that the death of Kevin's father created the beast because... We see on the train that Kevin's dad is reading a pamphlet about 
the identity disorder and he opens up the pamphlet and that's right before it, the camera pans to Bruce Willis or David Dunn sitting on that train. So in a sense, if his father was looking into different tr ways to help his son, then maybe this would never have existed, which like what you said earlier about Glass being the finding David Dunn and Kevin Wendell Crumb were those personalities. So I think it's a little bit of both. I wasn't too surprised by that either. Of the three twists, which one is your favorite? Mm. I would it, say... It's got to be the doctor, right? Yeah, but that is the most underdeveloped of them, I feel. Because all of a sudden, when we get the pan... So we end up having the beast who's shot and killed by a sniper, and the camera slowly pans to a clover tattoo on that sniper's hand. Then... It's a slow reveal of all of those, including the doctor, who has a clover on her hand. And then we find out that she's part of this secret organization. So very similar to the Unbreakable ending, we get that ending in Glass, where David Dunn shakes her hand, the doctor's hand, and then he gets the flash of her meeting with the secret society. Or that secret flash is so underwhelming, too. It is. I thought she was... Here is my thought. This is what I thought was going to happen. The doctor, played by Sarah Paulson, was going to be a super hero and or villain, and she was going to use all of their powers to basically suck it from them. Similar, like whenever we see Elijah and he's on the table and she's using this laser and she said, don't worry, you won't, it won't hurt or something like that. And it was like supposed to more or less be like electroshock therapy, just like takes that away from him or his personality, rather, I thought that maybe she was going to draw all of those personalities and put it into her somehow and become like this super villain slash hero. Um, but whenever it's revealed at the dinner table, that flashback, it was very underwhelming. I thought I was waiting for a bomb to go off and she survived. And then she's this fourth she's one of them. Yeah. yeah. Like an X-Men reveal. I was waiting for that. And it didn't that would happen. have been kind of cool, actually. And I was waiting for that to be the big twist. And then all along, she's been building to this. And this ends up becoming like Dr. X's, you know, X-Men Academy or something like that. And it's not an asylum in the first place. Everyone that's with them, they all have these, you know, what are seen as disorders or freakish skills. And they're kind of outcast. And she's starting like a revolution or something. But maybe Shyamalan didn't want this to be too much of like an X-Men story. That's actually what I thought would end up happening. I think he just wanted it to end. Yeah. He didn't want to probably. leave the possibility because. Oh, to return the to The three it. characters that we have met over this trilogy all die. So what's your favorite then? Your favorite twist ending of the three, so to speak? Probably still the Doctor. But neither of them are surprising in any way. And isn't yeah. that the point of a twist? And Shyamalan was really just don't even do a twist. Well, he yeah, kept saying, lead, weeks leading up to this, he said, "This is an ending you'll never see coming." We also find <laughs> out. We also learned too that uh, he, the ending changed. So I'm I'm intrigued by what the original ending was. Sure. I just think if you have, if he's been letting this brew in his mind since 2000 when Unbreakable came out, and you had to think uh, in in those years leading up to this that he had been thinking about how he wanted to end this trilogy. This is what he came up with? Come on. I remember you saying that as soon as we got out of the theater. Like that's what – and it, it, it does – I think Unbreakable on its own still stands, but I feel like this kind of hurts Unbreakable in a way. Yeah. 
And Un- going, Unbreakable in the end feels like the outlier of this trilogy. Does this help split though? You know what it feels like? It's like the fourth season of Community when Dan Harmon wasn't doing <laughs> it. So yeah. you have three seasons of the Harmon humor that you expect. And then season four, all the characters st- are still involved and still a part of this uh, world. But it feels different. It feels like a brand new universe. Yeah. And that's what this feels like. Like Shyamalan just snatched characters from one of his earlier films and sure. created a brand new universe and one of the so one of unbreakable just doesn't feel like it's part of the uh part of the world anymore sadly nbu unbreakable universe you want to talk about unbreakable now yeah let's go ahead and dive into those. real quick yeah. replay, replay value on glass is yeah. moderately high i would honestly say it's high i'll because say it's high I too see because it. i would love to sit down and watch all three back to back to back and i do think um Complaints about the third act aside, I think Glass will get better on replay. Uh, yeah, I agree. The only the only thing is the Clovers. I feel like that whole reveal, and it just seemed to kind of peter out. I do love the message that he was trying to deliver at the end, and if that's the conclusion, I'm okay with that. I really am. The Clover but, Society is interesting, though, because it's, it's it's as if he doesn't want to do more of these movies, yet he sets up the possibility of doing more of these movies. So do you think that there will be... Like a Clover setup? I could see them the doing future. a Clover prequel or something. <laughs> I hope not. Just let it yeah. die. I don't know. I don't know where you take it from this point. The, and that's where I thought, too, the ones left behind would be carrying on the torch. And in a sense, they kind of did, but they didn't. Because Elijah set, sent out the video, and everyone was watching that, and we saw one of the closing shots. It was... Again, CNN or whatever. It's such an underwhelming twist that he was sending all the security video out into the world. Because it's like I watch a video. At one point, David Dunn is bending steel. If I saw that movie or saw that video online, I would watch it and forget about it in two seconds. And think it's fake. Think it's fake. Yeah. There's that, a, so his ultimate plan is to reveal that the heroes really do exist, yet nobody's going to know. All right, so let's now jump into Unbreakable and Split. We're going to do a little upgrade, downgrade. Let's see if these movies held up. Unbreakable, if you haven't seen it. Uh, it's about a somber security guard who survives a deadly train accident and learns he may, in fact, be a superhero. That's David Dunn, David Bruce Dean. Willis. Uh, again, M. Night Shyamalan wrote and directed this movie. It came out November twenty second, 2000. 2000. I hadn't even graduated high school yet. And that was the change of bald Bruce Willis. Yeah, he was embracing the baldness. One big interesting thing about this movie, budget. Do you know what the budget for Unbreakable is? Like but, $5 million? Was it really ooh, low? So Glass, $20 million. Split cost $9 million. Again, this is kind of the fall okay. of M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan's coming off The Sixth Sense, his third movie. Yeah. Huge success. Unbreakable, $75 million. What? $75 million. Watching this movie, like, after that, literally so fresh in my mind, does not look like a $75 million. But you got to imagine, 2000, Bruce is getting a lot of money. Ooh. Shyamalan's hot, so he's getting a lot of money. I bet Sam Jackson got a lot. Um, True. Box office US, $95 million. Not huge. Made 152 overseas, 248 altogether. Rotten Tomatoes score, 69%. Do you think that's worthy of no. 69%? Uh-uh. I think this is Unbreakable is just ripe for it comes out and people don't necessarily understand it. And then over time, 
they realize how brilliant it is. First time, let's do first time, last time. I saw this opening night, November 22nd, 2000, very hyped up. Uh, saw the sixth sense, sixth sense, was obsessed. And I started an M. Night Shyamalan fan site, and I kept that going five or six years. Got a lot of free swag. I have an M. Night Shyamalan autograph poster from poster. The Village. Um, I was obsessed with this guy. So Legit obsessed. So did The Sixth Sense really kick it off for you then? That was the movie well, that yeah. started it all? I'm sure it started it for a lot of people. Not I just took, No. I just <laughs> took that obsession to the next level with a fan site. Uh, so again, saw this opening night. Very, very hyped up. Uh, last time I rewatched it, I rewatched it when Split came out, so January 2017, and I watched after it again. Split, that is, yeah, right after Split came out, because I had no idea. Obviously, uh, I watched it. That was probably the sixth or seventh time I'd seen Unbreakable, and then obviously we watched it again leading up to Glass. So that those that was first time, last time for me. What okay. about you? So I've seen Unbreakable three times. I saw it when it first came out. My first feeling. Did not like it. Mm. I walked out almost ranking at what the critics ranked Glass. I I watched the film. And mind you, I heard, I saw it like a few, maybe a week after. And I remember so vividly going to see The Sixth Sense with my dad. And when I heard Shyamalan, this was his next film, pumped. Like this was peak hype for me as well. Going with my dad and we both were like, my dad liked it better than I did. But we were both like, hmm. Okay, not what we were expecting. I did not like it. I just did not like it because it moved way too slow. It was... Now, the camera work I liked, but the characters also seemed way too sad, and I just wanted to, like... So sad. I I wanted to inject them with cocaine or something to be happy and just lively. But they... um, they, everything about it just came off as just very melodramatic. It is a story where everyone is really unhappy. Number two, and there's actually something I forgot about Unbreakable, and that's something that I'll, I'll bring up um, later. But the second viewing I watched about a year ago, I was going oh, back. Oh, wow, and, that's a huge gap. Yeah. Second so because time, of basically Split? Pretty much. I wanted to, and at the time when I saw Split, I watched that. Took me a while to return to Unbreakable, but I finally did. I liked it. I returned to I liked it, not loved it. Liked it. This third time, loved it. Yeah. It's, and, is, and it's so funny because like that progression of Unbreakable to how I feel, even though it comes off melodramatic, I will say that the acting does, and we'll get into that here, seem a little stiff, but there's, so, I think, so much to love about Unbreakable. Yeah. Uh, initial thoughts for me, I'm going to echo what you said. First time I saw it, again, peak height, not what I expected. Not at all. I had no idea it was a superhero movie. Yeah. Had so no they, idea it was going to be so somber, so quiet. Yeah. Um, but I still liked it. So what? what's like a Shyamalan head? Someone who's obsessed with Shyamalan. Was there a name you gave yourself? Like a Shyamalan? I just kept saying he was, it was like the, the cover of Time Magazine that hailed him as the next Spielberg. Ooh, I was you, just spouting that up, up and down the block. Do you, do you think that he is... Like a modern Spielberg, no, so he's to speak. not. That that's a pretty bold statement that's, to say after a yeah. guy's done. <laughs> I guess at this point, the last th- that that came out with signs, so that's like yep. film five, and a very divisive, unbreakable. Uh, people like the Sixth Sense, and then the first two movies he did, no one paid any attention to. True. Um, 
So what holds up with uh, Unbreakable for you? Unbreakable, the camera, the camera work. And I think this is echoed throughout all of his his entire filmography. But as we go through this East Rail trilogy, I just think Unbreakable really kicks it off. And as I mentioned earlier, I rewatched Unbreakable with whom I'm dating. And she was getting so annoyed with the camera shots. She said... It's way too jarring. It's giving me a headache. Why can't the camera just sit still? And I said, I feel like the camera's very stagnant at times. It's very. The, the opening my, of this movie outside of Elijah's birth is like a three-minute shot that very slowly zooms into Bruce Willis, and it takes a long time. She And one thing. Because it's not about what's happening to Bruce. It's what's happening to Bruce in the background. Yeah. But the foreground, we're seeing a man die before our eyes. And so when we end up having the the opening credits and it's him on the train and we keep having the titles appear i didn't really that didn't really catch my eye i kind of looked over that but sometimes i'll watch the credits but uh whom i watched it with she said i can't take this like get over the credits like get get past that one thing i will say i totally forgot and this is a good time to bring it up when he removes his ring on the train totally forgot they had a marital problem it's an interesting way to introduce a character where he's basically revealing to the audience he's willing to, to cheat. cheat. Yeah. On his and we don't know why. We learn yeah. why that he's having issues. But that's an interesting approach to introduce us to David Dunn. To what's supposed to be the hero of the story. I thought, and after rewatching it, knowing this progression of the story, the character, the twist, everything, I really like that because it's this reluctant, more than a reluctant hero, almost a man driven to give in to certain temptation and other desires. So I just found that to be really fascinating. But for me, the camera work holds up. I think, honestly, there. even though I say the acting and spots are spotty, I think Willis does an, a very interesting job with his role as David Dunn. He's I incredible. Really liked him. He's incredible and unbreakable. And I, I think... I, I think Sean... Shyamalan taps into something with Willis that you don't see a Very lot. few directors can. I, he's he's so good in this. It's very unlike any Bruce Willis film, I think, even to date, that you'll end up seeing. And I really like that. I also felt like even though Bruce Willis's son, his acting is a little over the top, there's something about, as I mentioned earlier, the expression of his face and also the theme of his son admiring his father. And it was interesting because I saw this with my dad. And at that time, similar to his son looking up to his dad as like a superhero, he's trying to say, you know, all of this has to be true because I view so much about you. Now, for now, that theme means more to me. And it's interesting because I'm not a father, but that just really touched me deeper than whenever I first saw the film. And every other theme and plot of this it just, I really liked. The story I thought held up. And I always hear the phrase, it's ahead of its time. I wouldn't say Unbreakable was ahead of its time, but it I just. I think it is. It, it had a story that I think still resonates because there's one line in it that I think it's Elijah's mother. And she said, in times of mediocrity, this is something where we have something to look up to and see as being hopeful. And that's something that I feel like even now and I think you could pretty much take that and drop that in at any point of history. 
and people living during that time is going to feel that way. But I like that you bring up the kids because every time we meet a child in this movie, we're introduced to them and they're literally looking at a character upside down. I mean, I, I agree with you on a lot of this. This is Shyamalan hot off the sixth sense. He's really flexing his filmmaker muscles in this. Long takes, the way he plays with the camera, mm. framing scenes, everything is so precise and methodical. I don't think he's ever had a movie that looks this, it's it's as put together as well or looks as good as this. Um, I think the final stretch of this movie, the last 15 minutes or so, when he goes to the train station and really embraces the possibility that he is a superhero and then he starts following the garbage man, the orange man, orange man. or absolutely bone chilling. This part won't be like a comic book. Real life doesn't fit into little boxes that were drawn for it. The so tense these the final 10, 15 minute stretch that it makes me nervous. And it makes it, it even now? It un yes. Even knowing everything, it, it, it makes me really anxious. The orange man frightens me. Oh, <laughs> It's the idea of the guy that just chooses a house and he's like, I like Wait. your house. Can I come inside? And he kills everybody. He's doing God knows what to the kids. Yeah. Uh, and he's just living there. It's very creepy. Um, the other thing, and you know this, because uh, I, I keep listening to it, James Newton Howard's score mm. is incredible. Some of the best movie music ever. And that mu- the music obviously is not going to be used in Split until the very end. It's not used in glass very much, which yeah. is a huge misstep, I, kind, kind I, I think, on their part. Not that the music in those movies aren't good, but Howard's score is unbelievable. One of my absolute favorites. I do think the acting with like the the, the son is a little spotty at times. There I are, think he's good. I think he's okay for the most part, but there are times that I've found to be way too overdramatic. There's also a few things like I have brought up that there are, are moments that it, it, it comes off as too much. And I think Shyamalan and his films, I've tried to un- better understand that, but to me it seems as if they're overacting, which is interesting. We'll bring this up in Split, and I've heard this case in that film. But in this, it, it just seems that way. Maybe it's because it's quieter. But that's my one major thing with it. And there's not a lot that I, I feel like doesn't hold up. I have a few things. And one is not an issue that I have, but you bring it up. The, the pacing, the somberness that surrounds this movie is so noticeable. And if you don't like that, you're going to hate this yeah, movie. Yeah, true. It's going to feel like a complete drag. You will hate And it's not a long movie by any means. But, but if you feel, don't like yeah. something slow or, again, the camera work, which if you're really watching, if you, you think of the character or a camera as the character... What is he? What kind of pictures he painting? It's brilliant, um, but yeah, that's going to be a turnoff for a lot of people. Uh, I like the Mister Glass twist at the end, where we find mm. out he's the mastermind behind all these disasters. Now's the time we shake hands because he's so obsessed with um, finding a hero. Mm-hmm. Love that. I'm not a huge fan on the the actual abruptness of the ending. It ends with title cards it's, and it tells you yeah. what happens. Something even to this day still feels off. That seemed like it was a documentary. Uh, not big on that stuff. I, I agree. Yeah. But again, we got that, that, uh, James Newton Howard score swelling and it's still pretty great. So upgrade, downgrade, does it stay the same? 
I think it remains Shyamalan's masterpiece. I'm I'm upgrading it from what I said earlier. It it goes it. up in my book. Love it. I that's that's how it's so a, it stays the same for you. It but stays, has it no, gone up since you for you you first saw it because you liked it, but it's slowly it's, it's gone, gradually gone up. Yeah, I mean it took me t- two or three times to, to upgrade it, but I've seen this eight times now, so I'll say stays the same. But it's his, it's I think easily for me his best work. Okay, I don't know if he can top it. This is his. You got the Shyamalan Mount Rushmore. This is the big one. So, so yeah, let's do split now. Let's do split. Split. Three girls kidnapped by a man diagnosed with 23 personalities must escape before the emergence of a creepy creature called the Beast. The Beast. Hey, pardon me, sir. I think you have the wrong car. Who is that? Maybe she can help us. Don't worry. He's not allowed to touch you. He knows what you're here for. He listens to me. Again, Shyamalan loves writing and directing his own movies. Came out January 20th, 2017. Budget, $9 million. So Shyamalan had a really, his career nosedived. Yeah. And The Visit, which came out, I want to say, 2016, was kind of a... Right before. I'm going to start fresh. I'm going to do a small thriller. That did well. He returns with Split, $9 million. So he's... I think he said he's financing his own movies, basically, at this point. Wow. Okay. And now he's got this partnership with... With Blumhouse. Blumhouse. Mm-hmm. So he's on the rise again. And $9 million, very low budget. Box office, huge hit. 138 here in the United States... 140 overseas, so $278 million. That's a huge win for Blumhouse, yeah. huge for Shyamalan. Rotten Tomatoes score, 76%. Good yeah, job, that's, that's Shyamalan. Cra- to me, that's crazy that it's above Unbreakable. Even after seeing it, I... But I think if Unbreakable came out to now, came out now, especially with this deluge of comic oh, book sure. movies, people would really respect it. Um, first time I saw it, opening weekend... Still their opening weekend for Shyamalan. And this is one movie, rare movie. Saw it opening weekend. Haven't seen it since. Watched it again this past weekend. So this was number two. Yeah, this is only the second time I've seen Split. So this will be an interesting upgrade, downgrade, stays the same by the end of it. Wow. Okay, that's that's crazy. It was one that I was blown away by the twist, but I kind of never had a desire to watch it again other Mm. than to go back to Unbreakable. Okay. So... If that's the case, what were your first feelings about it? Liked it, wasn't blown away, loved the Unbreakable reveal. And when I heard that James Newton Howard score at the end of Split, I had to be picked off the floor. <sighs> Serious. Did you did you start screaming? I was I remember I was with a couple of friends and I le- I turned to the person I said, That's the unbreakable music. And at the time, I was like, oh, he's just recycling music. Why? This doesn't make any sense. Why are we doing this? And then we get to uh, Bruce Willis, and I I was like, freaking Unbreakable. This is a sequel Woo! to Unbreakable. So very, I mean, just thinking about it, the greatest twist anybody's ever done. It's unbelievable. So that twist can't be, in all of Shyamalan's films, that's the greatest twist ending. It's an interesting twist because it, it doesn't affect the movie in any way. It, it's not a twist that the movie hinges on. The movie ends, and there's a surprise reveal. I love it. 
I, it's not his best twist ending, but in terms of so what they did with Split, they shot this ending, but anytime they screened it, even for critics or at festivals, the unbreakable ending was never part of it. Oh. That way, once oh, it hit nice. theaters, no one had any idea. So if you saw this movie at a festival and you're like, yeah, it's good, you wouldn't have any idea about the Unbreakable thing unless you saw huh. it in theaters that opening weekend. So that's how the fact that they did that is incredible. And they kept that it a secret. Awesome. The it's it's fascinating that you say that because I'm while finishing Split, rewatched the alternate ending or saw it for the first time. But it's not does not include the unbreakable ending. It's the one with Kevin Wendell Crumb sitting on the top of the building looking down instead of he's in the mirror. Like Ooh, I haven't seen that. Okay. So go watch that because Shyamalan introduced that on the outtakes and he said he did not do it because it was a darker theme and he wanted the character, the beast, and Kevin Wendell Crumb, all of those personalities to have more than just killing. He wanted the the person himself and all of those personalities to be doing it for a greater reason. So what's in the film now, I agree, is better. But when I first saw this film, I liked it and I was really into it. But then I felt kind of let down by the ending. And mainly whenever he gets to the bars and he's like ripping it open. And it just, it was, it was very grounded. But it seemed, it just... There's something about that whole ending sequence that I just thought was okay. And rewatching it, I liked it more, but the Unbreakable, whenever it's revealed that David Dunn sitting there in the cafe, I would just, after only seeing Breakable once, I thought, that's cool. I, I think that's really cool. Like the ending, that's awesome. But I kept hearing before seeing this film, so many people like, you have to see it. And I remember you said that. You have to see this before it's ruined for you. The problem is, if you don't care about Unbreakable, if you haven't seen Unbreakable, yeah. it means nothing. And that's kind of where I was. So it's only for a select like niche of people that really, like me, who hear the music, who love Unbreakable, are going to go crazy. If, you, if, you, if that's not your thing, then yeah. it's irrelevant. Well, and so who I watched Unbreakable and Split with, she had never seen Unbreakable. And so she just thought, okay, we're just Bruce Willis in a cafe. That's all she thought. <laughs> And I thought that's so fascinating that that is like your as a moviegoer, that's your feelings about it. You don't know anything else. And you just think, OK, well, that's interesting. It's a ballsy move from Shyamalan to be like, I hope people still care about Unbreakable 20 years after. The well, fact. that's awesome. I feel like if you're seeing a Shyamalan film and how well received Unbreakable is to this day. I think that was the best move he could have pulled. And that's that's it's brilliant. But I will say, though. That the with split though going in, I have to say overall, it is a film that I have changed my mind on. Uh, but let's let's talk about what holds up and split. What do you think are the things that you consider to be the best in this? I got a few. It's still good. Uh, Shyamalan's technique; he's still on his game. I, I think the opening moments are tense and pretty disturbing. Actually, we're yeah. introduced to Casey and these girls. And uh, they're in the car waiting for their dad to load up the trunk, and a stranger gets in the car and kidnaps them. The whole thing is done really well. Uh, I love the long tracking shots down the tunnels. I believe the cinematographer did It Follows. It's got that It Follows mm -hmm. vibe. Uh, the music is great. The twist still rules. And I think James McAvoy is good in this. I, 
have heard not necessarily about Split, but that in Glass that he's overacting. I didn't think so. I think he it's delivers a, exactly what he needs to. Actually, no, he goes above and beyond what he needs it's to. It's a performance, though, that... The I character, loved. If you have 23 personalities, there's going to be a level of ham to it. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. But I just... It was just so... And there's... So good. Some of the characters that he inhibits, uh, you kind of wonder, is this supposed to be funny or not? Sure. And it comes across as silly. Like Hedwig. Yeah. And maybe that's a fault. I will what say... What do you think about the Beast? The Beast, I thought, was a bit of a letdown. I think the Beast... Should be called the squeezer. Oh, <laughs> because basically the only superpower he has is to sneak up behind somebody, hug them, and squeeze them to death. Yeah, and that's how he kills. And them. it's like okay, that's all you can do other than I like slink around on the walls. I so do you like the beast? Then do you think he's very no? I, I the first time I saw Split, I definitely was thinking. He's f- going to physically transform into a beast. That's what I thought. And then he doesn't. Uh, I don't know. He's okay. And I, that's that's why it kind of brought it down a little bit for me, for Split. I think that movie builds up that the beast is coming repeatedly, and then he just kind of gets veiny and squeezes people. No joke. I thought that it was going to be like the Wolfman or something like that. I did too. Or something was going to emerge from like the earth or something. <laughs> And he, so he's like the father of this creature. The or beast is okay. Guardian. Yeah. I think if that's your big bad, though, that's underwhelming. Yeah. And I think that that brings it down a little bit for me in Split and then also in Glass. But I do think McAvoy, if you do just take this, that all of those characters are working as one unit inside one man, that's really interesting. But I don't like this idea of hinging the beast as like the big bad. If Kevin Wendell Cromworth, all of these personalities are the big bad together, the horde, I'm cool with that, but not the beast. And I think Shyamalan started taking that approach in Glass of saying the horde. What? So how about what, what doesn't hold up? Um, Plot-wise, it comes around full circle, but did Shyamalan really need Casey to be a sexual abuse victim? Yeah, that's my big gripe because it just, it seems inappropriate, completely unnecessary that the female... She can't just be a strong character. She has to have been abused sexually by her uncle the entire movie. She could, I just would rather her, him have come up with a better reason for n- her not being part of Worthy the beast's of, sacrifice yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and that was... And at first, I thought, obviously, we see the flashbacks of Casey. But what if she was just a cutter? And what if she was just going through teenage angst or something like that? Maybe. I mean, I had totally forgotten about the sexual abuse thing. And when we have our first flashback of them hunting, I was, I was immediately, I slumped over just like, oh, I forgot it. I really, it's just, I don't like it. I I remembered that, but I forgot as many flashbacks is what they do with that. And especially whenever he, the uncle, that scene where he's like, we got to be animals now. And then the camera slowly goes around this rock and we end up seeing him without his shirt. That was just, yeah, really, really disturbing. But I know I'd read before we saw Glass and they said, this person's critic said that he, Shyamalan, does not utilize the female characters as well as what he could in Split and and Even uh, Unbreakable, Audrey is still just kind of 
just kind of there. She's just dour, yeah, like everyone else. But she's he he gives up football for her, and she's just that kind of character. Where yeah. like I don't believe in sports violence. I don't know. I just think the females in this movie are kind of okay. No, do you not, like Casey, not. the actress who is also in The Witch? Yeah, I like her. I just wish she was strong because she's a strong female. Oh, she doesn't sure. need to be the victim of something. But she was now. What about the fact that she's more or less she escapes from that because of her history, but she also escapes her uncle by going through that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like it comes full circle, and I, I understand why he did it. And but I'm just thinking, let's brainstorm, find a better way. Sure, that's and that, then in Glass, she comes, she's brought back, and she's. I don't want to say she's in love with Kevin Wendell Crumb, but she is. She's so, someone brought this point up. It's like Beauty and the Beast. It seems like that. She's like drawn to him and wants to help him, even though he kidnapped her. Yeah, and I don't know. He killed. It almost two felt like yeah. It was like I I want to bring I want to bring the gang back. How do I bring Casey back? That that's that's what doesn't work for me. Sure. So what would you say about like one of your favorite things then? Would would you stick with would it be the Shyamalan being on kind of the top of his game for yeah. the camera work? Yeah, I think so. Because that would be mine. That and that and McAvoy. McAvoy's I I really liked him. And I really liked him in glass too. Cause I mean, he gets reactions from people in the audience whether they're laughing and it's appropriate or not. But if he sucks <laughs> in split. Yeah. You hate it. It's awful. Yeah. If yeah, if you're not a fan, you'll you'll hate it. All right. So there's one thing we talked about before recording, and I'll bring it up now because this is the best time. One thing I read is that a critic was saying, of course, James McAvoy is going to be a bad character because he's got he's bald in this. And I thought, well, so is Bruce Willis and Unbreakable, and he's supposed to be the hero. I took it as this. So one of the characters is OCD. Okay. The cleanliness factor. You shave your head, that's, sure. it's less, it's a cleanliness right. factor. That's why his head is shaved. And, that, and or he was doing X-Men and was woo. Professor X. <laughs> <laughs> and that's funny if they just kept that because he's also Dr. X, which I find do you like, interesting. Do you like bald McAvoy or do you prefer him in uh, First Class where he's got a nice full head of hair? He looks good in First Class. Yeah, I was going to say in First Class he's, 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 styling. he's a handsome guy. I like him in that. Uh, so upgrade, downgrade stays the same for Split. I'm going to say stays the same, and the, and the most exciting part remains the unbreakable twist. Yeah, I will join you on that and say that for me, Split stays the same, and I didn't really fluctuate that much it's like I did with Unbreakable. So There's just not as much, much to uh, chew on. Sure. You want to do some questions? Yeah, let's do. Let's pop in some questions now. Let's do a little question. Question number one is a glass a satisfying conclusion to the East Rail One Seven Seven trilogy, and how would you rank them? I liked the conclusion in terms of it ends the story. I felt uh, like we said earlier, it does fall a little bit flat, especially with the twist upon the twist, or what Shyamalan called. I didn't really feel like it was those were really twists as much as just like revelations in the story but after thinking about this for a long time and this is tough this is honestly really tough because i've been really rearranging glass but i'm going to say unbreakable glass split unbreakable number one glass number two split three i mean i'm going to agree i think 
even though it's not great, it's a good conclusion to the trilogy. I'm ranking them the same way, actually. Really? Yeah. Whoa. I think I think Glass again. I think it'll be better on replay. Yeah, I and there's just something about kind of bringing this all to a close. Question two: Better Bruce Willis performance in a Shyamalan movie, The Sixth Sense, Unbreakable, or Glass? Um, glass is getting knocked out of here. Yeah, that's glass, the worst. Yeah, I'd say get Glass out. You really uh, have. Wow, this it's, is it's a two horse race because he's good in both. Yeah, and he's so different. I have to say, probably the Sixth Sense because yeah. he was he was starting to get into that where he's just different Bruce Willis, and I liked it. I really liked what he was starting to do. I so love that's it. my pick. Oh, so Unbreakable has the scene at the end of the movie where. He goes and defeats the orange man. He comes home and his son sees in the paper that this happened and he quietly tells him, be quiet. His tears are welling in his eyes and he's incredible in that scene. He's incredible and unbreakable as a whole. I will say my favorite scene, well, my second favorite scene, but as an actor for Bruce Willis is when his son holds a gun up to him. And unbreakable. What if he pulled the trigger? So do you know the, did you hear the story that inspired Shyamalan to write that scene, by the way? No. George Reeves, who is the first Superman on TV. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you have heard this. That, yeah, they, thought, they actually thought he could be, he was Superman. So there is a young boy, and I don't know if there was a convention, he was just out in public, but a young boy pulled a gun on George Reeves, and George said, son, you don't want to do that. I'm the real Superman, and if you do shoot me, it won't hit me and injure me, but the bullet will ricochet and hit you and kill you. Ooh. So the boy freaked out, and he put the gun away. Is that not that's, awesome, that's, qu- fast thinking? That's scary. You know what happened to that boy, though. He then... For real, do you know what happened to him? No, I don't. Locked away 40 years. Ooh. Attempted manslaughter. For real? No. <laughs> it wouldn't be manslaughter. I, I would have bought right? it. I would have bought that. Um... <laughs> I mean, I, I talk about how good he is in Breakable. I think he is better in The Sixth Sense. The The relationship between yeah. him and uh, Osment is really good. Really touching. Really good. Yeah, he's 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 so good, though, in, in both. He's such a great... He can be such a great actor, yep. which is why it's frustrating in Glass. And I, I think some of that falls on Shyamalan. Give this guy something True. to chew on. Because um, I wondered, is, is it scheduling? That's why he doesn't feel like he was in this yeah. a lot. But what is he doing? That's it. Besides, like, some of those direct-to-DVD movies. Um, number three, question three, best performance by M. Night Shyamalan in an M. Ooh. Night Shyamalan film. I am going to have to go with Unbreakable because he's just Ooh. so sketchy in that. So Shyamalan, like a modern-day Hitchcock, appears in every one of his movies, basically. And he gets panned for that. Well, keep in mind, his first film, Praying with Anger, he is the main character. So he, this I is did not know that. This isn't something new. I'm going to say The Village. What was his cameo in that? I can't remember. The Village, he's like the forest security <gasps> guard that she stumbles upon oh. and he like helps her. Oh. Okay. Actually, he doesn't help her, but he is it's it's his cameo is basically done in reflection. His You know, it's in his movies, he's always oh, I love it. he's always doing reflections. Yeah. And that's how this that's how Unbreakable opens. Yeah. That's how we're introduced to Elijah is through basically shot in a at, at a in a TV screen. in a mirror and the mirror yeah, yeah and the then very the TV beginning. set and then later as yeah, a boy so good uh, so I'm saying the village I just it's it's the quickest of I think of most of his cameos 
the one in Signs was a little weird. I felt he's Signs. Like, he's I'm the, getting out of here. Well, si- now Signs is the one where he killed Mel Gibson's wife. He's the one that oh. kills her. Oh, well, wasn't so he does play a large role in that because he he also says I'm getting out. He's of here. He's in multiple go- scenes in Signs too, and because he's the one who reveals he's going to the lake or the beach or somewhere, right? Yeah. So that's the second scene because he, he meets Mel again. He basically. They they bury the hatchet. I forgot about that. That he's the the culprit behind killing his wife. Whoa! I'm still going to Unbreakable though. I might do Unbreakable. The Village is just kind of a fun because it's it's real quick. But I like in Unbreakable how he's just like this. He's this major creep, <laughs> and and he's uh, just the way he acts in that, and just his performance, everything around that, just really interesting. All right, if Unbreakable came out today, would people be doing the Unbreakable Challenge? I want you to remember, I don't know if you remember, way back when, when this came out, the website was areyouunbreakable.com. No, I don't remember that. So this would be, we have all this controversy. And that was a film for the website? That was what the website was called. The official website. Areyouunbreakable.com. So nowadays, people are doing the Bird Box Challenge. They're doing (laughs) a variety of stuff with with blindfolds on, including driving cars. Uh, would people be doing unbreakable challenges, maybe even getting shot if this came out today? As in like the, the like weights? Maybe they put the weight thing, doing uh, bench press, how much can you do? Maybe putting <laughs> a bulletproof vest on getting shot. I could oh, see people yeah. doing that. And then they would have to issue an alert that says, don't do this. I could I could see that, yeah. I really could see that. Yeah, I, I guaranteed that the unbreakable Some idiot challenge would do would something. Happen. Oh, yeah. Uh, let's do something we haven't done in a long time. I'm pumped. It's called the movie review game. I'm going to read yeah, Daniel four um, Rotten Tomatoes lines, some quick blurbs that you would find on the website. Three of them are real. One of them is fake. And I have not read any of those. I've stayed away. Only, only the uh, critics that those who I've gone to before, I've read kind of like a dissection of the trilogy by itself. So, so I don't know this. So remember, all three of these would have been written way back in 2000. Are you ready? I'm ready. Number one, beautifully well-made, intelligent films like this don't come along very often. Okay, seems legit. Don't look at me while no, you I'm do not, I'm not, I'm it looking, stresses I'm, me out. I'm looking straight down. you look down. at my face and you can tell when I'm lying. I, I'm looking straight at the that's, keyboard here. That's how you got me. We've got a colored keyboard and I'm looking right at the D here All because right. it's purple for glass. <laughs> uh, number two, the more it goes on, the more I wanted David and his dead-eyed son to go away for good. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I've got some, some of my BS radar, radars going off on that. I don't know. Now I'm going to shift my focus over here to the right. Number three, Shyamalan is a brilliant young... Okay, let me start again. Number three, Shyamalan is a brilliant young director. In Unbreakable, he may not have a lot to say, but I like the way he says it. Okay. Um, in between on that, 50-50. Number four, awful. An insult to my intelligence. Oh, wow. <laughs> Goodness. I could see a critic saying that because it didn't do so well. And all right. Do you want to, you want to, any of those, do you want me to read again and or eliminate right off the bat? Uh, No, I'm not going to eliminate anything, but I will read any of those you want. Read the first one again. The first one, beautifully well-made, intelligent films like this don't come around along very often. I'm going to say that's real. The second one, the more it goes on, the more I wanted David and his dead-eyed son to go away for good. (laughs) 
You know, I'm just going to say it right now. I don't know if it is, but I'm going to say that's fake. That's the fake one. So you're locking that in I'm number locking, two? I'm locking in number two. You are correct. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> and I wrote that because when this movie came out, people said his boy had dead eyes. He's got rem- very unique eyes. And, I lo- and those he looks the same as he did way back when. He's in his twenties right now. I don't remember. Yeah, well, that's a one thing I love in Split is that he just his expression, but with his eyes. I thought, especially in Unbreakable, he it's not dead eyes. I don't that critic that critic or those critics are insane. I like number four though, awful and insult to my intelligence. Who is this idiot writing that? I I, I say his name. An insult to my intelligence. I don't get it. I really don't. What a goofball. All right. He well, or she needs to go back and rewatch it. It was a it was a guy. Uh he's probably not around anymore. So congratulations, you've won 50. the movie review game, the Mr. Game. MRG. They call me Mr. Douglas. I I love that. You're from now on going to start calling yourself Mr. Douglas. Douglas. All right, so, you know, we've got coming up, up after this episode, we will have Velvet Buzzsaw, and we'll return to Nightcrawler, both Jake G movies and written and directed by Dan Gilroy. I'm excited for Velvet Buzzsaw. I hadn't even heard of it until like a week and a half ago. I'm telling you, I keep calling it Buzzsaw Falls from the Silver Dollar City ride. You sent me... A trailer, and I was like, "What is this?" Yeah, and then it just happens to be right around the corner, and February first. I love it. And Netflix just drops just randomly. Oh, by the way, this new movie's coming out in two weeks or three weeks. Yeah, so Here that comes go. out on February first on Netflix. So if you hype? have Netflix, watch it. Are you hype right now? Very hyped. So I, I told you, this movie looks like it could be either a lot of fun or awful. So real quick too, this looks a lot like Stephen King's story, Duma King. And I haven't read that. So a quick synopsis on that. It's a man who, a, a contractor, who went through this almost fatal accident, near fatal accident, and he survives, decides to have a complete change of pace, moves to Florida, and he becomes an artist. And through the artwork, he starts to uncover this supernatural world, this uncanny uh, presence and it's just opens the door to some really wild things and that's what this film looks a little bit like doesn't look like anyone went suffered a crazy accident but but you, that's going to be the next step you love the duma king audiobook because john slattery yes. did the narration i loved it and what's weird that story is more like king works in more cursing in that than almost any other story that he's done before which is weird. But. I've been wanting to listen to it, but it's the book is so mammoth I, that's the that reason. I need to set aside time. Now, I want to say, I don't know if there's anything you want to plug that you've been listening or watching. I'm going to, I, I told you, I downloaded Elevation. Yes. Which is his last novella. Um, Stephen King did the narration, which I'm not huge on listening to him talk. I, I, I enjoy some of those. But it's quick. It's like a three-hour listen. So I'm going to try to do that this week. I could probably... Knock it out. Knock that out in one day, maybe. But uh, that's what I've. That's what I'm gonna start listening to. I don't. What, what do you, you got? Anything? There's nothing new, but I want to get back into. With speaking of Dan Gilroy and Jake G, I was looking at. You came in earlier before the recording. I was checking out Jake G photos from Sundance when he was in Donnie Darko. Woo! And I want before 
Buzzsaw, I want to rewatch some of my favorite Jake G films like Enemy. I have been. Watched have, Prisoners the other day and I uh I have a huge stack of Jake G movies. You're he's a, he's one of your favorite actors, right? I do enjoy him a lot. Some Jake G. Watched Wild Wildlife. I need to see that. The other day with Carrie Mulligan. Very Paul good. Da- new Paul Dano film came out last year. Um and the boy from actually the boy from the village, not the village, the visit, Shyamalan's The Visit. Oh, right. Is in that he's really great and yeah. But you haven't I, rewatched Enemy. Well, I've only seen that once, but I, I I picked that up and need to watch that. And uh, again, Velvet Buzzsaw, February first, Netflix. Watch it and also rewatch Nightcrawler, so you can listen to us. We'll be returning. Talk to that. about it and uh, yeah, I'm excited to see that again. I've only seen it one time. This will be numero two. So the, we are our hype is is up there. You can also chat about movies with us online on Twitter and on Instagram. You can find us on Twitter at Quality Check Pod. You can check us out on Instagram at Quality Check Podcast. We'll post videos. We'll post photos. We'll randomly also release polls as well, in which we want to get your feedback. If you also have questions that you want us to read. While recording, let us know. Send those to us. We'd love to hear from you. And just a heads up as well, this podcast quality check is bi-weekly. We release every other Tuesday. And please uh, check us out there online and subscribe, rate. Let us know what you think about the podcast overall. And uh, we're excited for this new venture. Drew, any any final words on the uh, East Rail trilogy or what to expect now? Because of the kids. They called me Mr. Class. Quality Check is part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA.